0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. Um, I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock Paper Scissors, the PR and marketing firm that specializes in music innovation. And this one goes out to all the movers and shakers, the music tech operators who know the business but want to push their thinking even further. Today, we're focusing on name, image, and likeness, or NIL, and we have a music tech cosmologist here to explain what that means and why it's relevant to all of us in music tech and the music industry as a whole. Jim Griffin is an expert media technologist focused on digital music and its monetization, maybe the archbishop of digital music. He was, for a decade, Geffen Records' chief technology officer, leading efforts to digital delivery of music, especially the release of the first digital release of a commercial sound recording in June 1994. It was Aerosmith's head first. This led to testimony before the U.S. Senate's Judiciary Committee Napster hearing in 2000 and numerous hearings thereafter, including international work for the United Nations, World Intellectual Property Organization. His work included forming SoundExchange to monetize non-interactive webcasting through the passage of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. He also co-founded the infamous Fuh List. That's P-H-O, yes. The Vietnamese Soup, for more than two decades, an email listserv devoted to open discussion of digital media concepts among thousands of music industry professionals. Look up the New York Times story on him and on Pho. Now he's obsessed with something called name, image, and likeness. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dimitri. You got the crazy pants? I got the crazy pants. We got um, cherry blossoms. I put some on too. Crazy pants (laughs) today. (laughs) Nice. Well, that's why we've got you here, because you're a crazy pants thinker, as I said, a music tech cosmologist, and I'm looking forward to d- diving into this with you, Jim. What is name, image, and likeness, and how did it first come onto your radar? Well,
2: you know, it's really pretty simple, but I mean, I have to say, people when I refer to nil rights, people do a double take. They have no idea what nil rights are, and they refer to, as you put it, name, image, and likeness, the right to control your name, obvious, image, and likeness. Uh, They're very important because they represent who you are. And in a world where we wonder if we can control our work, I've got doubts about that, but I'll say this, you can control your image and your likeness. And so I think that leads us to monetization of that uh, and to thinking deeply about how that's presented and what you can do to be a part of that uh, business and conversation.
1: Well, explain that a little bit more. You just mentioned a a couple of things there. Um, One, that you can control this better than your actual work. Yeah. Well, look, you can get
2: scanned. You can get scanned and be able to generate your image and your likeness uh, on demand using uh, generative AI technology. And if anyone's going to do it, you (laughs) need to do it. Because if you do it, you get out ahead of it. But if you wait and react to other people doing it, I think it's not going to be as successful. You mean everyone needs to do it, don't you? I think everyone, but I mean, I'll accept that there are some people this is not for, but to the extent that you're in the music business and you're monetizing your music, your image and your likeness are important. When you go on tour, it's what people want to see. Uh, When you perform
1: music, this is an important part of the uh, conversation so in in the intro, I talked about you being this kind of uh early digital music guy that was testing out all these things why Why do you think right now is such an important time that you're shifting your focus and your career towards these nil rights? Why have you turned your focus to it so strongly, and why should those in music really care about it? You started to talk about that, but let's get a little deeper into that
2: look it's for the revenue stream and that's not for me I personally uh. I'm not so interested in the revenue stream, but I know that so many uh, people in the music business are, and managers and others who think deeply about these issues. They think, how can I make sure I'm not leaving any money on the table for my client? And I would say, you are leaving money on the table if you're not focused on your nil rights. You need to think about monetizing those and exercising those rights and generating uh
1: the image and the likeness of your client, so Neil rights is huge in the sports world. Well, tell me why let's let's understand why, and then let's let's see why music hasn't gotten there yet. by the way, that clued me in when I saw these deals going down in the sports
2: industry, I thought, why not music why Why would music be left out of that conversation and the more I looked, the more I came to understand that in the case of sports, it's really legalized bribery. It's a backdoor to what had been going on behind the scenes. You know, a local car dealer wants some great quarterback to come to the local college. uh, And instead of giving them a briefcase full of cash now, they give them a nil deal, which is totally upfront and appropriate. Uh, And that's how it evolved, is local boosters wanting to get involved with getting athletes and others to their alma mater or to the local college, and uh, wanting to pay to do that. Now, for a long time, the NCAA ruled all such deals, but that was viewed as anti-competitive and an antitrust violation, and the NCAA lost in court, and eventually it was freed up for states to pass laws to allow these nil rights to be the uh, subject of negotiations
1: by school athletes. So, so those those individual athletes were able to kind of reclaim monetization of their name, image, and likeness. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Look, I saw
2: that LeBron James's son did a seven million dollar nil deal, and I thought, really? I mean, he's not even a a, a big time player yet, and he's doing a seven million dollar nil deal. Uh, and I thought, why would a musician be ruled out of that conversation? And I, I couldn't find a reason for them to be ruled out of the conversation. And it struck me that uh, there's a lot to do with image and likeness that people are interested in with regards to uh, musicians. So it's time to start that conversation if we're not having it already. Uh, and so I thought, let's start moving
1: down that road. Gotcha. Just, just so I understand. So this $7 million deal you just mentioned from Lebr- LeBron James' son, what, what what was included in that deal? What who was paying seven million dollars? What were they getting?
2: I, I by the way, I'm not sure <laughs> okay. what was included in that deal and what they What's were What's Typically getting. included that, in a deal like this. That drew my interest, is what it did. Gotcha. Because I thought if he can get seven million dollars merely for his image and his likeness, I need to understand this better. And I'm doing my very best to understand that.
1: Got it. Okay, cool. All right. We're gonna take a quick break for a message, and when we come back. Let's talk about deepfakes. I'm curious because I think that's part of the conversation. We'll be right back.
0: Meet your music tech people. Our next free online event is an open mic, open to everyone who's interested in the future of music and innovation. Introduce yourself and share where you're going this conference season so you can start building your posse and your meeting schedule too. Join us March 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. UK time. You'll find out who's going to be at South by Southwest and get started making connections before you hit the busy streets of Austin. Find out where the hot spots for music tech are going to be this year. South by can be hard to navigate, so we'll help you build your game plan. Register for free and learn about our monthly seismic activity online event series at musictectonics.com. See you there. Now back to the show.
1: Okay. We're back and 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 we were we, we kind of got introduced to this idea of of nil nil rights and and how how it came to your attention through sports gym and how you think it's an opportunity for monetization. I, I feel like part of the reason we're having this conversation is because name, image, and likeness of musicians now has the potential to go far beyond just appearing in an ad or giving uh you know giving a um a testimonial for a product or something like that. What's happening with deep fakes with virtual presence? with avatars and other, I don't know, digital beings, maybe I haven't even thought of that make nil rights relevant for the music business.
2: Look, deep fakes is what happens when you don't do it and you leave a vacuum for somebody else to fill. That's a deep fake because they're faking it. Whereas if you were generating that yourself, you could be booking the revenue
1: and it would be an appropriate deal and it wouldn't be fake at all. Right. So we're seeing more kind of gaming companies create virtual artists. Um, we're seeing Snoop Dogg on everything. <laughs> uh, sure. I, I, you know, there's there's starting to be these um, kind of video filters for even Zoom calls or, you know, other, other kind of digital video interactions where you get to be Elon Musk or Snoop Dogg or, or something like that. Sure. It, Alexa has a feature that will allow you to have a conversation with Einstein. Oh, hmm. He should be making money. Or you name the musician. Uh, it could be there. Yeah, I think, I think there's a Snoop Dogg voice on Waze, the, the, the map app, as well.
2: Yeah, so sadly, my Alexa just went off when I <laughs> said that. But,
1: but, uh, but she sounded just like blank, fill in the blank. Um, well, she's saying, yes, in fact, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the point is, if you've got a,
2: a distinctive voice or you're a musician, this is a right that you can, I would use the word exploit or monetize uh, to good effect
1: and build fans at the same time. Right, right. So uh, you're, I mean, I'm almost imagining we've, we've watched this uh, moving of music to digital, to downloads, to streaming. We watched the live streaming moment during the pandemic. And now you're saying that, you can have this other your, – your IP of your very being can now be monetized through some sort of virtual existence and that you can monetize that if you are kind of tracking and managing your name, image, and likeness in the right way.
2: Yeah, I'm saying it doesn't have to be a ripoff. You can get scanned and have your voice scanned as well and have the text you write scanned such that they can be used for generative purposes for revenue.
1: I mean does this apply to the AI generative music stuff or is it only the visual things or or where your your actual person name is is used?
2: Oh, it could apply to the music. You could generate music using AI, but you needn't uh you may wish to make that music yourself. Uh but as regards your image and likeness being used uh to promote an event or a cause or something you believe in, uh you can do that without even attending. <laughs> you can have a digital package that represents your image and your likeness and have it do the work for
1: you. Got it. Who who in the music sh- industry should be thinking about uh, name, image, and likeness? And, and how should they in- integrate uh, NIL strategy into their businesses and, and their careers?
2: Well, I know they're thinking about it at the Universal Music Group, and that's really all you need to know at the top is that the biggest players are preparing to do just these things or to monetize just these things.
1: So record labels. Um, I w- yes,
2: record labels, agents, others who uh, who deal with talent are looking at just this.
1: I mean, it's interesting when you when you told us about how it started in sports, you were implying that the, quote, record label of sports <laughs> or possibly the distributor of sports was the one that was monetizing this. And it was through a legal process that the artist slash the athlete could start to monetize it, too. Is there going to be a battle for who gets control of uh, monetizing uh, nil rights, say, record label versus manager versus artist?
2: I think, as in all cases, it comes down to the contract. My good friend Kevin Cassini would remind everyone of that. It's why the contract needs to be good and strong and enumerate these rights and to whom uh, they are allocated. But the key thing here is get out in front of it. Don't wait for it to happen to you. Be in front of it with your representatives. Make sure that your contracts reflect where these rights reside and that you're the one that's going to exercise them. And without your approval, they cannot be exercised. At least that's how the contract should read.
1: And when you say get out in front of it, there's two different getting out in front of it. One of is getting out in front of what's happening out there in society and culture in consumer behavior, because people just have fun with all sorts of digital stuff. We've already seen some crazy deep fake stories, whether it's audio only or full, full video. And so you have to get in front of that before you lose control of your image. And it's just out there, maybe not making money for anybody, but certainly taking value away from what you could make money from. But then there's also get out in front of what your agreements are with your management company, with your record label, with your agents.
2: Yes. In other words, I'm saying be aware that this is happening, and be behind the wheel of that car that's moving instead of riding in the back. <laughs> it's uh, so much better for you to be out in front of it, to know your rights, and to know how to digitize your presence and to make it as strong a representation as it can be. Uh, you don't want bad deep fakes out there. You you want good ones, not fake ones ones that come from you and your representatives that are approved by you saying things that you agree with and not things you don't.
1: So in a way, you're saying it's up to you whether it's in a contract for your record label to have these rights or not, but it's a negotiating factor. So if it is in there, you should make sure to value it correctly.
2: <laughs> yes. I Look, everything that's happening now with AI brings me back to what it was like in the 1990s and how it felt to be dealing with digital music. And the same thing happened then, in the sense that you were either out in front of the digitization of your music, or you were watching it happen to you. Your music was being digitized, and people were trading it or passing it around, and you were not the one providing those files. And for those who got involved directly at the beginning, who got out in front of it, they... Prospered from the process in very real ways. I mean, Alanis Morissette, if I recall correctly, uh did a deal with mp3.com. Instead of being a part of endless litigation and so forth, she made a deal and said, I'll put my music right out there. And she made a lot of money off that deal.
1: More money. I think more, when, more money off that than off litigation, you think?
2: Oh no, well, there's no doubt. I mean. She was represented, if I recall correctly, by Ken Hertz in the negotiations. And I believe it was a a very large, uh, something like $300, $400 million score for her, because she got a piece of mp3.com for lending her music to it. Wow. And what I'm saying is, imagine the different scenarios where you are somehow the subject of litigation around this and seen as someone who is fighting against it, or you are seen as a proponent of it who got digitized and approved their image and their voice properly and made sure that it was attached to things they believed in. I think you'll find that that latter approach, attaching it to things you believe in, not only enables you to prosper, but to be out on the cutting edge and get lots of publicity for something that's very important.
1: What I'm hearing you say, Jim, and, and this is really interesting, since you were the first to put a, a, a track on the Internet, basically, uh, that, that Aerosmith track, um, is that you've watched these waves, these waves of innovation emerge, and you can f- I have. fight them or you can ride them. And that what you're saying is what's happening with AI now and this digital virtual presence stuff is n- another wave, is a next big wave. And,
2: yeah, and I'm not the only one to say this. I've heard many people say this feels like the 90s again. And it it does. Because, again, we see this happening around us, happening to us. And we question, well, how can I get involved in that? And should I get involved in that? And I think the answer is yes, you should get involved so that you can understand it completely and be on top of it.
1: Yeah, got it. I, I feel like we've mentioned this on the podcast in the past that we see certain artists or certain artist teams that see the wave coming and they do just what you're saying to do with 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 this kind of digital self um, and nil and rights. They see the wave coming. They start paddling with, the, with and towards the wave to jump up on their board and... They end up being the first and the front, and they build a whole career around it. It becomes actually a defining moment for their career and and i'm, I'm I guess what i 'm hearing you say is this is your early warning call like the wave is coming. you can get back on shore and go sunbathe and miss the opportunity, or you can get 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 out there start paddling right now that 's the learning and get up there so that you 're ready when the wave really crests. Um, so many artists I've seen do that first with sure with downloads. You just mentioned Alanis Morissette did did it with 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 uh, downloads and and uh, digital tracks. Um, you know we saw certain artists do it with YouTube. We saw certain artists do it with subscriptions. We saw you know art, artists do it with Instagram or TikTok, right? And yeah, and you really you only get one look at these things.
2: You don't want to be the the 50th person to do it. You want to be the first or the second or the third because there it matters. And there you can monetize it in outsized
1: ways. Awesome. Um, We're going to take another quick break and when we get back, I want to ask you what will name, image, and likeness look like in the next five years. We'll be right back.
0: What are you planning for South by Southwest week? It's coming up fast. Help your music tech friends find your event in Austin this March. Tell us about your panels, meetups, parties, and activations for music tech innovators in Austin, and we'll add them to our unofficial guide and spread the word to the music tectonics community. There's a link to submit your event on the blog at musictectonics.com or find music tectonics on LinkedIn, Instagram, and X. The submission link is in our profiles want to get your hands on the unofficial guide? Make sure you're signed up for the Music Tectonics newsletter at musictectonics.com. We'll email you when it's ready.
1: So, Jim, this is fascinating. I love that you're really putting it out there that people need to jump onto this like ASAP, be one of the first to really understand it so they can monetize it, make it a defining moment for their career. But let's get a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's talk about what's going to emerge for Nil in the next five years. What do you think is going to be coming? How will, how will we experience music that makes this a relevant revenue stream?
2: Well, I think it's going to be more and more present in our lives for other reasons than music. I think it will change a lot of the way we do business in the world around us, how we negotiate, how we engage in peacemaking, for example. I'm thinking lots about peacemaking these days. We're in a world that's at war. I think, how can we use these technologies to reduce the differences between people instead of uh, build more differences? That sounds hopeful. I like it. I I am hopeful for it. I, I believe it can make a difference, and I'm working with organizations that are dedicated to peacemaking to find out how it can be inserted uh, into the process. How can, for example, AI be a mediator between two parties with differences? Now, I'll tell you. My mind ran immediately to rate negotiations. How can we learn? in the music business to reduce our differences with other parties, those who have to pay for the use of music in the rate setting uh, environment. We currently have hearings that are conducted in Washington, DC, uh, for example, for streaming rates or for, uh, for using the use of a song in a sound recording, et cetera. And sometimes these, these uh, rate setting hearings go on for years. That's an example of why uh, one thing we need to do is to have mediation as a possibility instead of adversarial uh, negotiations uh, over them. Uh, it, it can take too long, way too long. And getting these mediums flowing is really key to getting the revenue flowing. I mean, look at it. We now know that Sound Exchange is handing out About a billion dollars a year. Well, we needed to do that years sooner. We did. And I remember I was in Hollywood at the time, and people would stand up at meetings and say, Oh, this is like CB radio. We shouldn't devote any attention to it. And I would think, Well, we'll see. And now we've seen, and we know that our delays cost us the arrival of billions of dollars a year. Well, in, in regards to nil rights, I think you'll see the same thing. These delays mean that we're not getting that kind of revenue stream flowing because music could definitely be on top of it instead of sports.
1: Wow. So really what, when I ask you about let's imagine a future for for name, image and likeness, what you're actually saying is let's get it together and understand how this is getting monetized, what the what the, the payouts are for this and start generating the content so that revenue starting at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. Got it. We we have compelling. We have people more compelling than LeBron James's son. <laughs> we do. Mm. We have people who the whole world admires and wants to spend some time interacting with. And I'm told that for Abba, the virtual concerts are also a billion dollar a year business. Whoa! So demonstrably, we know that name, image, and likeness can be used to generate. $1 billion, as if that was some huge thing. It's. I feel like Mike Myers was just picky in his mouth saying it. but uh, But in a very real way, these delays and this doubting costs us a great deal of money. While we say, oh, digital music isn't paying what it should, we're delaying the arrival of the money and failing to go into its iterations, like nil, for example in a way that produces this meaningful change in this
1: revenue flow. Got it. So Jim, where do you fit in with this conversation for nil and music? What's, what's your role going to be here? Well, I've thought deeply
2: about that, but I think there will be others who play a bigger role in it. I've become fascinated by mediation. As I've discussed, uh, I've I'm really interested in mediation. I was involved heavily with negotiation in my previous career in the newspaper industry, the media business. It brought me, the change in newspapers brought me to music. And so now I see change in music takes us forward into other areas and makes us realize, wow, uh, name, image, and likeness are going to make a big difference across the board. Got it. Are there any other- So I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at how I can be involved with that. And and in particular, I'm interested in how we can grow mediation as a concept to reduce and avoid wars. Because in a very real way, it's not billions of dollars, it's lives. These wars are costing us many, many lives. And we need to find a way to bring them to an end and as soon as possible. And when conflict uh, erupts, there's ways that we can engage in techniques that help reduce that conflict
1: right well, it's so interesting to hear about this evolution for you and um and how you're thinking about it. I admire you're always a big a big picture thinker and kind of a yeah out of the box thinker um that you know I think. For for even those of us who haven't been in the industry as long as you to to just sort of follow along is a bit it's it's a challenge and a stretch it's like where is Jim going with this but it's super interesting to hear I get I, it uh, but
2: I'll tell you I spent before this call today I spent the morning uh, discussing these issues with the with CMI the Crisis Management Initiative in Helsinki Finland and they're very interested in how name image and likeness can be used to help mediate conflicts and how ai can represent itself with certain images and likenesses
1: and help produce proposals i'm imagining a mediator a virtual mediator that looks and talks like you jim who well precisely so
2: and it doesn't have to look and talk like me but the idea that we could employ mediation in more contexts quicker and cheaper all around the globe Uh, that this
1: could be done with AI.
2: This is an exciting possibility.
1: Amazing. Super interesting. Okay, while we've got you, Jim, are there any other trends or topics you're following that are set to disrupt the music industry in 2024,
2: 2025? Look, uh, I'll just say this, competition. Competition for attention is probably our number one enemy. There are so many ways to catch someone's attention now and music has to fight to even be relevant i mean i said it many years ago i think it's still t- true still today and that is that at some point the movement of a sound recording the playing of a sound recording will will be so trivial that it will be like the movement of an eyelash it will be hard to take notice of very difficult to monetize and we're almost there now that Playing sound recordings was once essential to our lives. We would listen to them. We would wait for them. We would hit the record button on the recorder when it came on the the radio. So obsessed were we with capturing the sound. So there was a time when sound recordings were our lives. And I think they're becoming less relevant in terms of attention. And that matters because that means less advertisers care about them and when advertisers stop caring about them money will stop flowing to them and so in a very real way catching the attention of the public is critical for music and right now sound recordings are falling relatively fast on the list of things that people care about and so this would be my chief concern for music is it needs to remain relevant well look for sync licensing purposes alone it has to remain
1: relevant and it is
2: relevant now, mm. but that day is diminishing. You mean because of
1: competition from AI music that'll go into sync?
2: No, I, well, yes, that's one of one reason, but competition in general. I mean, I think it's almost axiomatic today that people are more interested in the video than they are in the sound recording. Uh, they're certainly willing to monetize the video at a different level, and that becomes a concern. Because we don't make videos as a business. We, we sometimes make videos. We did for a while, but less and less. We're not video companies. We don't sign people because of the way they look. Uh, we, we deal with sound recordings. Mm-hmm. And so it, the, we have to herald the sound recording and keep it important to people. And that means getting it in front of them. In order to get their attention, they must be able to identify the sound recording, find the owner, contact the owner, license the use of it. Uh, These are things that are not simple and easy, and we still don't have a database of sound recordings and who owns them. And yet that's critical to to their monetization. Uh, We wonder why we're getting ripped off, and there is no global music database. And I've fought for one for years. I'm tired of it. I think it's so obvious that we need to have a database of sound recordings and who owns them so we know where to send the check, so we know where to get a license. But this has fallen on deaf ears largely because the big companies figure it's not a problem for us. Everybody knows how to find the Universal Music Group. I guess that's true. But if you're an independent or not the Universal Music Group, you probably want there to be a database of rights. So I've got one last question
1: for you, Jim. Who else should we follow for emerging trends in music, copyright, and an intellectual property? I think it's my last question. We'll see what you say.
2: Look, I think Will Page is the best. I think Will Page, he tracks the money. He gets down to the dollar. Uh, Will Page is the best out there. There's no one like Will for keeping track of this space. Yeah. Will. Because he does it with the with the money right down to the penny. Where does it go? Uh, and, and sadly down to the penny matters because sound recordings are worth literally pennies at this point. Now, when they're tenths of a penny and and they are in some cases, we have to worry that we're not relevant anymore, that we're increasingly less relevant.
1: Yeah. Will's book uh, is Tarzan economics, which I think you helped to name. Uh, he's the former chief economist at Spotify and is still very active in, insights and analysis of the music in- industry and certainly the financial aspect. Well, Jim, this has been super helpful, super great to have you back on the podcast. Um, thank you for kind of, uh, ringing the, the nil rights bell, as well as the music competes with everything bell and, uh, and also the peacemaking and mediation, uh, bell as well.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks
1: for letting me chat about it. Very appreciative. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dmitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not
0: sooner.